Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the production company that's made the video you're watching or the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, we're clearly busy. We're producing five weekly podcasts, Dumb Dumbs and Dragons, Blood and Syrup, The Mythos Mysteries, Warhammer 40,000, The Valentine Heresy, and Curse Code and Crown, as well as three event podcasts with miniseries releases scheduled at random intervals, Dumb Scum and Villainy, One Shots, and the bad movie review show, Garbage Town the Movie Podcast. But we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please, join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content Content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for being part of our stories. I am Executron, god of merchandising, and I came into existence because Dum Dums and Dice has its own merchandise. That's a god pod, get it? Dice? Merchandise? Anyways, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, spiral notebooks, clocks, wall art, throw pillows, bags, and even stickers emblazoned with your favorite Dum Dums and Dice characters and their catchphrases. Go to redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. One more time for the mortals in the back, redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. Get your merch Today. Welcome back, children of the night, to Blood and Syrup, a Vampire the Masquerade live play podcast. I am your host, Count Vlad von Lestat, drinker of blood, keeper of the Chronicle, and all around the spooky dude. The cautery moved into a new home provided by the mysterious Angelo de Santi. Iris checked her Instagram to review the fallout from the Inquisition's attack on Montreal. Everett found any moments of tranquility eluding him, and Ridley was haunted by the loss of T.J. Malone. Will the Coterie be able to come up with a plan to defeat the orphans and steal a strip club? Abandon hope, all ye who listen here. The three of you have been through a lot over the past... I mean, not just last night, over the past little while, but last night in particular uh, went from, uh, you know, fun evening to holy shit, oh God, burning, burning, friends are dead, what the fuck, town is in rubble. Um, and though you've, you've certainly had some side chats about it uh, and about uh, the nature of Everett and secrets um, in the bathroom of uh, the Centaur Theater uh, during Elysium, uh, now is the first chance that the three of you have to actually kind of deal with uh, everything that is that has gone down. Um, 
before we even get to chatting about it, uh, there is some logistical stuff that we should probably touch on uh, that, Ryan, you brought up last episode as well. Uh, you've lost a touchstone, um, which is a major event in a kindred's life, as uh, as all of you know, as we've alluded to. Uh, a large part of Vampire is the uh, the gradual degradation of your humanity as you, you uh, the beast becomes uh, more and more a part of you. Uh, Everett has already experienced this a couple times from various means, uh, but Ridley, this is your first big one. So um, when you lose a touchstone, um, and I'll I'll ask you, you can you can kind of determine this less in terms of what is objectively true and more what Ridley yeah, believes to be true. Um, you take stains uh, from losing a touchstone, um, which of course risk your your humanity. Um, if for your touchstone being destroyed, you get two stains. Uh, however, if a touchstone was destroyed by your actions, you get three. Would Ridley believe that TJ died due to his actions? No. I think if I was, if Ryan was actually the character, I would, but I think Ridley does not. I think Ridley would draw the line on like, the Inquisition broke the fucking rules, so he would blame them pretty emphatically. Gotcha. All right. So um, that is um, two. Two stain. Okay. And how do we resolve stain again, Tom? Um, Based on like how bad you feel or something at the end of an adventure, but I feel like this is end of one, beginning of another, maybe. Yes, it absolutely is. So we, we can definitely take some time. To, I think uh, Tyler's got some stain carried over from his Everett I am, adventures as well. I'm approaching the point where I need to ask what happens when you run out of humanity to put one line through? <laughs> do you just go back to the top and start just like completely blacking out? blocks of humanity uh, this will be the time where we could solve it because you end up rolling re- relative to it i can't remember the exact rules but tom yeah. will find it it will take longer than tom wants because there is absolutely no index and the vampire except tommy opened it to these pages in advance knowing this would be a conversation we're having tommy, so tommy tommy see he's better than the yay. book whoop whoop uh all it took me was 48 episodes to learn my lesson technically um, this is episode 58 thanks ryan <laughs> I learned my lesson a few episodes ago. I just didn't tell anybody. Um, okay. Cool. Um, so, um, remorse. So, a character with any stains marked on their humanity track at the end of a session makes a remorse test. We're counting this as both the end of and beginning of a session, so you can do all this shit here. Cool. Um, roll a number of dice equal to the unmarked, unfilled dots on your humanity tracker. For instance, if you have humanity six and two stains, you'd roll two dice. Um because would you roll four dice or two no so on your sheets sorry this is where shit gets confusing on your sheets you'll notice that your humanity tracker is a total of 10 yes Mm -hmm. so in the case that they're giving which is confusing here they're they've got six uh six blocked off oh okay which is their humanity rating so that's like how human you are is is your like blacked out boxes stains are the lines through um things so basically uh here's here's where it goes down so um you can you basically roll the amount of like unchecked little circles or little boxes you've got if you Completely don't have those yeah. we'll get to that in a second with degradation but essentially the way remorse works um if you you feel like your character um 
sorry, any characters with with that uh, that still have humanity just automatically roll this. Whether or not you're actively remorseful about it, it's in the same way that this game is mostly geared towards you losing humanity, it also wants to counterbalance that by making sure your humanity is pulling on you from the other side so you don't get to just become a super god overnight, if that makes sense. So um, if all of you could please roll me um, a check with however many... Um, Unstained uh, blank, humanity we have? Yeah, uh, okay. blank uh, humanity boxes you've got. Uh, and this is only if you have stains. If you have no stains, you don't need to do it. I don't know if Iris has stains right now, so that's why I ask. Um, I think I have one. Oh, okay, great. So uh, go ahead and roll as well, please. So I just roll one? Yeah. Uh, what? You have one stain or you have every... one unstained humanity box? No, I have one stain. Okay, so, so a few dice. Yeah, so look at how many um, blank boxes you've got that aren't fi- fully filled in or with a line through them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how many dice you'll roll. So in your case, that would probably be three, four. I mean, four, four. If you had humanity, f- yeah. If you had five humanity and one stain, then you would have four remaining. Yeah, yeah, great. So you get to roll four, um, Brian. How many are you rolling? I rolled five. You're going to roll five, and Tyler, how many have you got? I'm rolling three. So what does success or failure mean, Tom, now that we're all staring humanity in the face? Um, and sorry, just before we get to that, Ryan, you're rolling, you have five. I had you? seven humanity total. Yeah. I added two stain, so yeah. I rolled five dice. No, I'm sorry. To be clear, it's the clean The clean boxes are the ones we're rolling. So if you had... Run, run those numbers by me again. Okay. I had 10 boxes when we started the game. They became yeah. nine because I was a vampire, and they became eight because I, um, I'm i one of the, the alley feeders. Right. Then I lost a humanity for doing shitty things over the course of the game. So I had I, seven clear boxes, yeah. stained two of them, so I had five dice left. Okay, I got you. Great. That makes sense. Sorry, I was just confused about the math. So uh, all of you have rolled. Did yeah, yeah. Any, all you need is one success. Did any of you get one success? I yes. got a success. Nope. Oh shit. Um, oh shit. Right. So, um, Miles, uh, this actually makes perfect sense with your character. Uh, the beast is one. So, remove all your stain, but also lose one point of humanity. Um, for those of you who passed, uh, good news, you get to wipe the slate clean. Um, and I'll be curious to hear kind of what that looks like. I feel like for Everett, that's just he woke up today. Um, <laughs> For Ridley, um, I'll be curious to hear kind of how you you imagine that playing out. Um, now, here, to Tyler, you asked a, a very good question earlier. Um, if a character accumulates more stains than they have empty boxes on their humanity track, they become impaired, resulting in a two-dice penalty to all pools in this case, as they're overcome with regret. In addition, uh, they take one aggravated point of willpower damage for each stain that could not fit in the open boxes. Uh, in this state, the character is incapable of further intentional tenant violations and are forced to commit one I must test for terror frenzy at difficulty four. So that basically means like you're so remorseful, you couldn't possibly do something that would act against your own interests. Okay. Um, oh, and the willpower thing can knock you out completely because that's social damage, yep. right? Like you could essentially destroy your own mind and knock yourself into like torpor and shit. Uh, you can also choose um, choose at any point if you are in a, a, a degeneration state to just burn a humanity point and recover um so uh miles what humanity are you at now how many boxes black boxes do you have uh so do i x out one of the black boxes or one of the white boxes um you will I, i took i took i took 
a mark off of one of the white ones. So now I have five dark, five white. And then to take one off, do you're going to drop exo- one of the dark. Uh, so the dark rep- weirdly represents like how human you still are. So now you're at humanity four. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, this this tracks pretty perfectly with your current journey, Miles. Humanity four is described as, hey, some people got to die. Uh, you have finally begun, even accepted your inevitable slide into uh, moral sloth and self-indulgence. Killing is more than fine. Ask the elders. They've been around long enough to see whole genocides ignored. Destruction, theft, injury. Those are all tools, not taboos. Physical changes become quite evident, uh, quite evident as ashen pallor shades come firmly into corpse-like shades of, of uh, flesh. Um, so here's... Love it. Yeah, so here's an interesting thing. Um you suffer a two dice penalty on rolls to interact with humans, which I think will mitigate with some of your abilities. Um, and you can no longer keep food and drink down, even with the blush of life. So no more. I'm going to sip these beverages just because Tom, I if she so. uses the blush of life, which is a rouse check to try to like flush your body and look human. Uh, is that possible? Or has she gone so far that she can't look people anymore? Um, I think she she still can. I think the difference we're talking about here is at Humanity 5, without the blush of life, you might just look kind of ill, um, yeah. but yeah. still vaguely human. Now you're really getting into that, like, and they say corpse-like, but I, th- I think the better way to think of it is that kind of ethereal, like, you know, alabaster in, shine kind of thing. Yeah, like certain movies really just do lean into the fact that, like, a vampire shows up and you're like, it's that fucking guy. <laughs> um like it's it's more of that where there's just something unearthly and uncomfortable uh, about it. So now, to fake human, she has to just keep burning blood, <laughs> um, or, or be spooky, or just commit to being a like a weirdo. And I mean, honestly, the, the interesting piece for this, Iris, and this is something perhaps you can, Miles, you as a player can think about, is since you're an artist, you can probably get away with this if you like alter your look. Like there's ways to kind of pass with this um i'm thinking of like early um amy whatever was it it wasn't lee but um like the evanescence chick and like a few other amy people lee. amy yeah. lee great okay i was right we just also know amy lee so i got very confused yeah yeah um there there are ways um i think you could probably get around this it just means you'd have to pr- start presenting yourself in a very different way alternatively you can just burn blood for the blush of life yeah and because you have a herd it's not the worst thing. Yeah, so your new look will work for you in a nightclub, but it won't help you at the bank. You know, just like most artists. Yeah. And uh, Miles, one thing to to consider with the um, the disadvantage on a you're rolling so many dice that a two dice penalty doesn't really <laughs> change it that much. Um, but another way to think of this is less. Um, oh, I can't interact with humans anymore, and more so that the way you interact with humans is going to dramatically shift where before up till now you've pretty much been kind of interacting with humans the way you would have in your mortal life now i think you're starting to get into like what galadriel was afraid of where it's kind of like i am i am immortal i'm kind of above this so you can agree with me or my buddy here will rip your head off and that's kind of fine so it's basically what you've been doing anyway just now there's a dice penalty huzzah iris Um, done love me and despair yeah yeah yeah, honestly (laughs) um all right so ryan uh you are at five is that yep. correct? Uh, no, I was at seven. Uh, I had two stain, but I did have a success, so my stain goes away. So my humanity remains at seven. So I'm a little spooky looking, but I'm not fully a monster. Okay, yet. so just because it's been a long time since we've touched on these, I'm just going to read them all out. Um, Great. 
So for seven, uh, most human beings have humanity scores of seven or so. Um, vampires at this level of humanity can usually manage to pass for mortals. Um, subscribe to uh, societal norms more, but that's not entirely true for you. Uh, you feel some connection to other beings, even human beings, though a little, uh, the more than a little selfishness shines through. Um, yeah, Tom, if we want, because I think what we'd kind of talked about previously, and it's worth flagging, because Ridley comes from a different world than most normal people to begin with. I think mm-hmm. when we look at the idea of him being cool with killing people, we'll probably look, if we want to consider that to be his willingness to just kill anyone. Because he's sort of like, these people are all people who've agreed that they can get murdered, and yep. these people haven't. And if we play with that line, I think we can do the same humanity journey, but start at gangster instead of starting at... Sure, because I, I feel like you actually kind of fall into Humanity 6, which is like, hey, people die, stuff breaks. Um, which is, I think, where I think maybe the way to think of this is more so that uh, losing... And this actually does, again, track with the way you've been playing him. It's more so that, like, if bear boys die, you're actually upset about it. Whereas a few points of humanity from now... It'll be like, okay, we'll just get more bear boys. Yeah. Hire more people. I don't care. Whereas right now still like, no, we have to keep as many of them alive as we can. So I think this all melds nicely. Would you Uh, rather I be at six than seven then? It's easy. uh, No, no, no. I I think it's fine for seven. You're just like, you, you started as a slightly more murdery guy. And what's interesting to me is I'm more curious to see how your degradation plays out in your crew or like the Nathan Dinkeldorfs of the world as you start to lose your humanity, that to yeah. me is more interesting because you're already at a point of like stuff breaks and people die, but there's still that like, oh, but my people survive, you know? And that's the piece that I think I'll be interested to see slip away over time. Uh, Tyler, uh, what are you at? I have remained at seven humanity. Seven. Wow. All right. So uh, Iris is a monster and two of you are doing okay. Um, this is something that uh, we should actually have been rolling at the end of every session. Um, and of course, we're going to treat sessions not as recording sessions, but as little like narrative arcs. arcs. Yeah. Um, so I will start tracking that uh, a little bit more. Yeah, and um, we can also debate, Tom, because there's some stuff which is like killing people is supposed to give stains and shit. So it's kind of like you can kind of, I think, throw it out more often if you want to because i know there are weird specifications around like murder and shit that we do a bunch of <laughs> and i don't know like there's also like would it stain ridley no but might it stain other people i don't know what's the version of a ridley stain like feel free to throw those at us whatever you want yeah yeah i've been um i've been trying to because i mean in theory a, a lot of the stains are theoretically around um like humanity shifts should be around massive changes yeah um that makes sense to me. I'm not saying you're doing it wrong. I just wanted to throw it out. Oh, I'm 100% doing it wrong. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think we will likely be playing with this a bit more now that we're kind of fully up and running. Uh, I've just been trying to wrap my head around a lot of different rule sets, and this one didn't seem as important. But now I'm seeing that, like, the, the possibilities for decline are pretty pretty rad. So, who knows? Um, but we'll try and stick them to uh, two things. Um, Everett, in terms of your humanity, I'm going to just do some retroactive adjustment, I think, based on things we've, we've done. Um, do you think... I feel like you would have lost a point of humanity when you turned Jocelyn. I think that was a pretty big violation of what you believe in. Um, so if you could go ahead and lose one for that... Um, which puts you into, um, again, that territory I was describing earlier, which is like, 
you're still mostly human, but like things break and, and people die and like bad stuff happens, which I think is kind of what your dark night of the soul outside the, the theater was sort of about, which is mm-hmm. like, I'll have to wait for more people to die for me to kind of see the clearer picture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so that, that sounds right to me. Um, Ryan does, I feel like six does sound better for Ridley. Would you agree? I'm fine with it. Yeah. I, I don't think there's, I, I don't have a strong argument against it. I think there's there's logic for it. Uh, the only thing I do, if we were probably sitting at seven, is it would be more of a quest to destroy the Inquisition, whereas six is probably, that would be the step for him to be more focused on the mission for the Coterie, and I don't object to either plot. But where do you think that? Have you, done, have you done anything that, that would be truly heinous to, to Ridley? I don't think you have at this point. Not really. He's fucked other people up. Like he's tried to do stuff for other people, but we'd like, we we dealt with a bunch of stain around like turning Harvey and stuff like that. Cause that felt icky to him, but it was the grocery store attack where you succumb to hunger and, and attacked an innocent person. But I think you also like in your own mind, justified it as like, ah, they were probably bad or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we went through the die rolls again. Okay. So I mean, I'm fine with a six as well. If you'd yeah. rather go there, Tom, it's up to you. Yeah. Go ahead and roll me a, um, uh, I feel like you should be at six. Great, yeah. let's just do six. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, this is a like minor rules retconning, but <laughs> I feel like six is kind of where you would have started <laughs> the whole game. Really, is oh as yeah, a, as Ridley's a, a tricky one because we were like he has a code, but where were we? And yeah, yep. honestly, Ridley's not a character that's actually flawlessly designed to be put into this system so we'd be kind of fudging it and finding for, it for go. sure and and also the, the main difference i think for me is like everett is going to feel the loss of his humanity very intensely um iris is just going to feel her herself coming into her power in a way that she likely won't associate with a loss of humanity until it's far too late um uh, ridley's physicality is starting to match his mindset realistically that, that's it is he 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 doesn't this isn't that different from his normal mode of operation he's just a vampire now and so instead, weirdly, for the Ridley lens, the loss of humanity has less to do with being a vampire and more to do with being a, a career gangster, which is, I think, also appropriate. Uh, great. So this has been R- Rules Chat live on air. Uh, <laughs> I've been your host, Tom McGee. Join us next week where we'll do another Session Zero where we try and find things in the rulebook. Remember that? That seems like 10 years ago. Um, cool. Okay. So that that brings us up to up to speed on, on where everyone's at. Um in terms of um, the remorse, guys, since you did just lose a point of humanity each, I don't think we need to belabor that. Also, Everett, I think your your journey's been pretty clear, and Ridley, I think I think we know where you're at. But Not this my is... fault. Inquisition's fault. Fuck the Inquisition. Fuck her. Yeah. So this is uh, this is the first chance for the three of you to catch up. I have some major beats I want to make sure we touch on, but I'm also happy to let you guys run the show for a little bit. So the three of you settle into these chairs. There's two couches. There's these uncomfortable chairs. The couches are also vaguely uncomfortable in that, like, Ikea couch that isn't the, the, the expense of good ones um, <laughs> way. Um, where, uh, where are all of you situated? Um and uh, what what would you want to ask each other about or talk about? doesn't even need uh, to be questions. It could just be like, this is a thing we need to discuss. Go. Ridley will do what Ryan did when he was really hungover but had to do corporate meetings, which is he's pulled a chair up next to the whiteboard and has a marker, but he is sitting in it instead of standing up to put anything on the board. Yep. Um, Everett uh, is leaning in the doorway, arms crossed. 
Iris is probably lounging on two chairs, one for her feet. Yeah, it is the least comfortable lounge, but it is a lounge, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> the fucking best I can do in here. Yeah. I get it. I get it. It's it's like a hotel bathtub that's like kind of too small, but damn it, it's it's a bathtub, so gonna use it. Um Okay, great. So um the three of you are um around. Uh can you all please roll me just a pure um let's say either wits resolve or composure you can pick one of the three and i want just a pure role based on that attribute i've got one success based on resolve okay and obviously include hunger dice if you have them. uh yeah. three successes with wits One success with um, composure. Okay. Um, so uh, Everett, having uh, won the roll-off, um, you have the option of kind of presenting the first, uh, of, of leading the conversation. You, you're the, the first one to speak up, uh, unless you feel like Everett is more curious in what they have to say, in which case you can opt not to. Uh, if that is the case, I would ask you to pick who, who goes first. <clears throat> I think Everett would start with the question of what happened at TJ Malone's, right? Um, I think he would he would start with that, but then kind of start to fill in some blanks of like his experience. I think he would start by saying, um, so where were we all last night when TJ's was under siege? I, I woke up in the office and, I had al- and already I heard there was some kind of a terrible commotion on the other side of the door. When I opened it up, it was a full-on war zone. What what happened? Dum Dums and Dice would like to invite you to check out Dumb Scum and Villainy, a podcast where comedians and improvisers explore the underworld of the Star Wars Edge of the Empire role-playing game. This series features our game master Tom McGee, Ryan LaPlante as Abraxis Brash Core, Tyler Hewitt as Vic Denbar. Guy Bradford as Engage 311, and Adam McNamara as the forgetful psychopath Waka Waka Fonzie. So join this crew of bumbling criminals, see if they turn to the dark side of the Force, or stay in the shadowy parts of the light and enjoy an adventure in a galaxy far, far away. Episodes are available now. Now get out of my shop. All right, so full disclosure, some of the bear boys went out to get something to eat because we have multiple vampires living in a bar. And it turns out one of the fucking dumb ones grabbed a man out of a van and thought, this is a great man to eat. And it turned out that that man was actually working for the police, uh, supervising some criminals. So he appears to have interrupted a sting, at which point uh, the whole place exploded and the FBI came in. So this may have been an oopsie shit random chance in that the inquisition either was already looking for us and this was an excuse because they led a fucking charge or general bear boy fuck up train wreck joined by inquisition but they were in the work first wave so i don't know what the fuck's going on all right so that explains tj's coming under attack iris you were 
attacked by some kind of tactical unit? Hauling Drac, injecting you? Yeah. Uh, Iggy called and said he needed to talk to me, so I let him come to the apartment, and he threw Drac in my face and then ran. And these uh, these military guys just kind of uh, tried to store me, but um, turns out Drac does weird things to me, so I kind of uh, turned into a demon monster and um, did my thing. Do you have any idea why they would do that to you, why your brother would do that to you, and why these soldiers would come in and attack you. <laughs> no, but I intend to find out. Well, yes, I, I do too. As for the Bear Boys, this, uh, really, this ain't the first time they've, uh, gone out and gotten people with, uh, potentially bad consequences. I seem to remember them, uh, pulling a a cop off of some kind of a construction site or something like that in broad daylight. Now, this might have been also part of that coming home to roost, uh, so to speak. You know, it it might have been, but from what I said, the the cop, we talked to him, he wasn't fucking even looking at us. It was just a dumb boy fucking lifting a random man out of a van who seemed distracted because he was watching criminals. Uh, it's just plain clothes. It was a fuck up. The boy who did it, I mean, I don't fucking know who's still alive, but basically the bear boys were the ones who basically got us cover and cleaned out fucking everyone around and kind of went to war with the police. So they've gone underground. We won't have access to any sort of gangster help for a while, but they will uh, be in touch. They certainly helped me get out of there as well. I, I would say uh, I'm not saying they're not useful. I'm not saying they're not talented, but I think when... Uh, Situation requires a softer touch. Bear boys might not be uh, top of our list anymore. Yeah, well, luckily we're in an hospital now, so if we need fucking blood, we can try to figure out something nearby instead of me having to send them out into the streets. I agree with that as well. But coming back to the attack on TJ Malone's, we were attacked, a number of other coteries were attacked, so I don't think it was just happenstance. I don't think it was a coincidence. And okay, it was so, it was Inquisition, yeah, that's after what, all. That's what I'm saying. I, but I don't know if the Inquisition knew we were there or if the Inquisition heard what happened and then fucking came over. Oh, ultimately, it doesn't fucking matter. We fucking murdered them all. Fuck them. But... Did the, the FBI, the first responders... You know, we the, the Inquisition might have shown up later. So let's talk about the first responders. Did they have any kind of anti-vampire weaponry or tech? Yeah, they have fucking light grenades and shit. I think the FBI is the fucking Inquisition because the FBI can't fucking operate in Canada. You just use the fucking Canadian cops, the fucking Mounties who ride, I don't know, the moose and fucking wander around going, oh, I'm Dudley Do-Right, who gives a shit? They're the ones who can fucking do it here. The FBI does it fucking cross national lines. It's fucking breach of everything. That's true. I'm thinking they're all fucking Inquisition. Uh, it is worth pointing out, um, just as, as you recall, really, that there were CSIS jackets in there too but your thesis is exactly correct the fbi should not have been there it doesn't really make sense even as far as cover goes it doesn't make sense no it's fucking dumb that's how you know it's the fucking inquisition no i mean you know we can say what we want about them but coordinated attacks a lot of people a lot of vampires hurt a lot of innocent people hurt they're still very dangerous and obviously they have a a large and sophisticated infrastructure to operate within. 
All right, so where are you going with this? I'm saying we need to be more careful because something led them to us. I don't know if it was the Bear Boys. I don't know if it was us. But they knew where to hit us. Okay, I like your idea about lying low and being more careful. At the same time, we do have to eventually defeat Montreal's nastiest biker gang full of vampires and take over their strip club. Well, the fortunate thing about that is the the or- orphans, I think. Yep, the yeah. orphans. The orphans are already a pretty rough and tumble bunch, so it'd be less conspicuous if some kind of brawl erupted that wiped them out at their club. You know, not I mean, the same as blowing up a hospital or an office building. Yeah, no, it's not like we're doing the end of fucking fight club. There's options. So it seems like we've kind of got three major things we need to do, if you don't mind me saying. Uh, and he just draws a gravestone and scribbles lines on it where the writing is. And then he just puts an X over it. And he's like, we don't want to die. <laughs> And right. then he draws. You're going to erase that after, right? <laughs> it's a whiteboard. You can fucking put whatever you want. No, uh, I know, but you are you going to take it off? We can't have other people in this medical office. No, it's it's our fucking place. They lock this down for us. That's why we got fucking Mason Rini. Uh, even then, look, and he just like wipes a thumb over it, and a bunch of the marking disappears. He's like, that's that's what the boards are for. Great, perfect. I want that to happen at the end of this discussion. <laughs> Okay, you can do it. I fucking, I fucking can't. And he just like draws a bit like a little house that's a square. And then he draws like a stick figure with boobs with an arrow to the house. And he's like, we got to take over this strip club. And uh, and then he just draws like that weird cross thing that you see on Red Cross trucks. And he's like, we need to heal up and put our shit back together, right? Yeah. Why aren't you just listing these things? I'm listing them. Look, there's a fucking gravestone. There's this fucking thing. And there's this fucking thing. Everett looks to Iris like, can you believe this? Not realizing that Iris knows why he's doing it. <laughs> oh, wait, do you not fucking know? I can't fucking read. I can't fucking write. I know numbers and fucking pictures. That's why this bullshit's here. If I let you draw it on a board, you write words I can't fucking read, and then I don't know what's going on. So I know right. I will kick your fucking ass at Pictionary. You fucking wait. Wait, how would you? You'd have to read a card to draw the picture. No, someone your... reads it to me. You don't have to be a piece of shit about this. It's fucking supporting my disability. I'm not good at fucking reading because I don't fucking know how to do it. Everett has like no idea how to respond to this, given that he just revealed the other night that he drinks vampire blood. So <laughs> like he just doesn't, he has no, he no longer has a way to like calibrate a response. So he just he just shuts up. He's just quiet and he looks at you being like, okay. Okay, great. So look <coughs> at me. I'm a fucking crypt keeper. I'm a fucking train wreck. I can tell you I need blood because I'm hungry as shit. And every time I move, this fucking weird monster body uh, just undoes the fucking healing it's doing. So I'm going to be fucking laid up for like two weeks and someone's going to have to give me shitloads of blood that I can't fucking get. I'm going to need a nurse. Iris, you're terrifying. Everett, congratulations, you're hired. You're going to have to keep me fucking just resting and blooded for like a good two weeks. We need a lie lie anyways, because fucking everything exploded. So it's going to be a shit fest. Now it's not the time to storm a strip club with fucking guns. I agree with that, yeah. we're. Uh, I, I was thinking uh, we need to maybe grab one of the orphans and interrogate them. Give us a better idea of what the layout is, how many people to expect that kind of thing 
I mean, I you mean, had one for a while. I mean, that's possible. Yeah. <laughs> Martha. Oh, right. Yeah, well, we, we had oh, Martha. We were even going to do it with her as a trunk, yeah. She wasn't that fucking useful. Um, here's the thing. If we want to talk about how to take down a fucking orphans, now is the time for us to take some downtime, do some fucking research. You can investigate. And he points to Everett. And he's like, I can make a fucking plan. And Iris... One thing that a bunch of gangs get into, which is a shit idea, is going, we've got two enemies. Let's focus entirely on one so the other one can shiv us in the fucking balls. I'm thinking you and Emily, we got to figure out what the fuck's going on with Iggy and his fucking Drac. Because if that explodes, the whole fucking city goes to shit. So we got to figure it out and we got to do this. Because I'm like, we can do some scouting. I'll tell you the traditional ways to break down a fucking gang. A... You start attacking a couple of people in the streets and making them disappear. The nice thing with the orphans is we shiver a couple of people. If the fucking vampires, they turn to dust, fuck it, there's no body disposal. If the fucking people, i got friends in the construction, they just disappear. So there's no murders, there's no fights. It's literally like catch them coming out of a bar, have a nice fucking night, you're in an hole. Do that, they get scared, they all fucking hang out in a clubhouse. Then you go around, fuck up some businesses until they need to send people out. Then you either go to war with people out there, kill them when they're there, and then attack because their numbers are down, or they send the old group to go deal with something and you just take over the own base while they're out. And when they come back, they got to fight through their own defences. That's what I'd suggest from the business perspective. But that requires research. We've got to know who the fuck's doing what, what's around, all that shit. All right, so we're circling two major ideas. Um, uh, disrupting orphan operations and abducting an orphan off the streets of the biker gang, not just like, you know, Annie, um, to try and get more information. Uh, the secondary objective, uh, or the secondary uh, sort of concern being uh, what's going on with Drac and Iggy. Uh, Miles, what would uh, what would be on Iris's mind at this meeting? I think Iggy's top priority. I need to sort that shit out because if he's going to start... If people are going to keep coming after me and he's going to keep being a problem, then it has to be cut out quicker rather than later. Okay, great. So Aris, then I was going to say, Aris, I've got a question for you about this fucking demon that you can turn into. Like, do we need to find a priest or a rabbi or someone for you to fucking talk to so we could try to find out about demon rules? Cause uh, I don't think so. He's it's uh it's been pretty helpful. Also, it's like a good one. It seems to be. It's let me kill people that are trying to kill me. Have you ever heard the drug phrase, you get the first one free? Uh, I don't know. I seem to be able to talk to and bargain with and control this one. So I don't know. Yeah, that's that's how they, you know, if they're shitty dealers, I don't do fucking drugs. But if you were to try to, I don't know, sell heroin to like teenagers, you say, you get to have this one. Do you know what? You can have this one. We'll negotiate on the next price. I don't know. Have a nice night. They go, this is the best fucking thing in the world. I've never felt so fucking good. That guy's so nice. It's going to be great. And you go back and the next one, he's like, hey, you know, I give me like five quid. It's fine. And you do that. And then about three or four in, you're fucking jonesing somewhere. And he's like, go hold up a store or go fuck yourself. And now you're an heroin addict. Well, I guess it's kind of up to you guys to monitor it then, right? Because like. Oh, that's not how addiction works. <laughs> I mean, if you want to keep going down the road, I, I support you and you do what you got to do. I just wanted to let you know that there might be a red flag in this somewhere that you should be considering. Well, I'll keep an eye on it. I like it. Sorry, I thought you were being hyperbolic when you said demon. Are you talking about like a real kind of Bible demon? Uh, 
12 feet tall fucking blades for fingers a giant I, willowy terrifying killing machine i don't know it's just kind of a voice in my head and then I, like i mean you saw what i looked like i don't know what i looked like i did not see no what everyone did like. that's why he no was that's out. what i'm talking about you ridley yeah. you know what i looked like yeah that's what i was saying you know giant 12 feet tall fucking long willowy blades for fingers terrifying so you, dead eyes you full-on transformed uh, she threw up black goo into someone's <laughs> mouth and they fucking died. All right. Yeah. I don't know if the heroin metaphor <laughs> is accurate enough anymore. I uh, don't know, because I, I will say, if I could do what she did under those circumstances, I'd be like, this is fucking good. See? That's what I'm talking about. Why Do you know why this happened? Like it just, I that's what Drac does to some vampires. It might just be what Drac is. I don't know. It might just no, be the type of vampire I am. I don't see, know. That doesn't make sense to me because if they had Drac, so they clearly know what fucking Drac was. And I know Drac was in a fucking nightclub when everybody went fucking mental and started eating each other because I had a bunch of vials. So I'm thinking they may have tried to even make you go, you know, feral and just be like, ah, and then they fucking pin you down because you want to know how to fight. Or it's some kind of fucking maybe turns people into monsters and it's like vampire roofies and you just go to fucking sleep. But I don't think they turn you into a killing machine. We had established um, a while ago that um, I believe in kind of the investigation you were doing post nightclub that Drax seems to operate uh, almost like, I mean, bath salts is probably the easiest metaphor, but it's like a, a almost like a, a steroid high. Like it yeah, just this jacks I think up vamps. that got said by Jocelyn. So Everett and I know that, yeah. but Iris doesn't. So yes, we relay yeah. that as a thing we have heard. Yeah, great. Iris, that night at the club, you were up there on the altar. Yeah, we were fighting the uh, I can't remember his name. The Satin Silk Prince. King? Satin Prince. When we fought the Satin Prince, and he was in the middle of some sort of ritual, and he was controlling people. Did anything happen to you when you were up there, when we interrupted that ritual? Oh, fuck, it was grabbing her. Is this the same demon? And he just, like, squiggles what he thinks is a question mark, but it just looks like his hand doing a really bad EKG. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's possible that I got some, like, power transfer or something like that. I don't understand why you guys think this is a bad thing. I literally, like went from weakly and unable to do anything wrong, like anything to help to being able to like X-Men badass. Oh, I'm not saying it's fucking bad. I'm saying it's fucking useful. All I'm saying is right now it sounds too good to be true. And the only way something is too good to be true if it's someone's about to get fucked. So Man. just keep an eye on it. We trust you. You're fucking smart. You're, if anyone's going to have to out negotiate a fucking demon, it's not me. And Everett would be over in the corner going, it's not the right thing. So we know it's you. <laughs> Jury's still out for me on whether it's good or bad, but I will draw your attention to the fact that you're all describing it as a demon or a monster. Yeah, but like, I'm a monster. Look at fucking you. You're a you got a fucking bullet hole in your forehead right now. Yeah, and I don't like it. We're vamp <laughs> we're vampires. We're monsters. Okay, so we all agree. Uh demon, gentle concern, probably useful if the Inquisition shows up with flamethrowers again. Iggy and Drac. Big old fucking question mark. Any orphans, maybe research, and then we can start trying to, you know, throw them off their game before we storm in, rather than just, like, charging a castle and getting shot in the face. 
So what do we do? We need to lay low. So now's probably like the planning time. Also, I can't leave this room and Everett has to be my nurse. Just a thing that's happening. So Everett and I could do research into the orphans. They got that, that uh, Google Street View where I could go around and go like, that looks like fucking crime. Uh, and then Everett can go see if it's a front. Uh, we got Emily, who's probably setting you up with some sort of fancy house. Yeah. So you, do you want to move there and try to find Iggy? I don't know. If you're here, we're all here to protect each other. If you're awful family, I mean, you're a demon and she's a fucking werewolf. So it's not like you're solo, but I don't know what you want to do. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll likely split my time. That makes sense. Okay, right. so you get to a new place. We got a, We got that fucking uh, piece of shit that you caught. Can we bring him here? Or did we just open him up till he sings songs of whoever stabbed you? Yeah, sure, I'll text Emily. Uh, and with that, the two-week span of planning, recovery, and from the sounds of things, some light torture begins. This episode of Blood and Syrup features the voices of Ryan LaPlante at Ryan LaPlante on Twitter, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Megan Miles at Meggie Miles on Twitter, and storyteller Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode's sound was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and all of Dum Dums and Dice's logos are by Decapitated Markers at Decapitated Marker on Twitter. That's M-R-K-R. Our theme songs are What's Really Going On Right Now by Chase Allen Willis and Traffic by Kai. Angle and all our ads use the tracks No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar. That's J A H Z Z A R. All of their music is available on freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. We've also got merchandise at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice. And most importantly, you can join our Patreon of Darkness at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. Sleep well, children of the Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, Long Long, The Half-Blind Prophet, James Quayar, Charles Grams, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield, Lorda Bradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, Chet Awesome Laser, Jordan Neesmith, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Taryn Hefner, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.